Oracle. So hello everybody once again and welcome to the uh, Heart Shape Decisions podcast and today I have a very special guest called Fiona Stevenson who everybody refers to as Fee. Now I met Fee uh, about probably four years or so ago in Tesco in Stafford of all places and I didn't know who she was at the time and I turned up at a professional speaking association meeting, the Staffordshire PSA meeting, and early in my days in the PSA, and I turned up to speak, to do a showcase uh, speech at the um, Staffordshire PSA, and I went into Tesco's because I've been told that that's where the PSA members went before the meeting to have a snack and a cup of tea. And if my memory serves me correctly, I'd actually driven from Peterborough, where I used to live then. And I was staying, I think I was staying overnight. I think I booked a bed and breakfast somewhere in Stafford. I didn't want to drive all the way back. And um, I've not, so I was very impressed with the energy that Fee has. And, and you know, we've just been having a, a pre-podcast chat and Fee has a, a immense energy. And um, she's a wheelchair user. And, uh, but I'm going to hand over to Fee now to, to, to just explain a little bit about her life and introduce herself. So over to you, Fee, uh, and talk about your life and some of the heart-shaped decisions that you've made. Thanks, Graham. Um, I love the heart-shaped decisions group that you run. It's really good. It's really inspiring and really motivates me. It's really good. Thanks, Graham. Um, yeah, my life has been full of challenges, and I talk about overcoming challenges, mm. and I help railway companies regarding access issues because being a wheelchair user and trains it doesn't always go according to plan and there's so many different incidents that happen that uh, can cause huge issues for passengers who are um, less able than others and have impairments so I help the railway companies with that um, sorry can I go and get it well Fiona's had to go and answer the door I think so that's a bit of a bit of a um unexpected thing so yes I think uh you know I I as somebody you know somebody who's never who's always been able-bodied I always find myself um you know having to put myself sometimes into the shoes of people who aren't and I you know I have uh, Fiona's just been talking to me offline about some of the experiences that she's had as a wheelchair user in, in supermarkets during the COVID-19 situation. And um, it's really, you know, it's really, it's really opened my eyes. Uh, and I have another friend who's also been on the Heart Shape Decisions podcast uh, fairly recently called Darren Harris, who's actually blind. And, um, you know, you have to try and put yourself into the shoes of people that she's now Fiona's back so what sorry that's okay it's all right I've just, I've just been filling in while you've been uh, sorry while... it was an urgent parcel and I couldn't ignore it sorry that's okay it's all right don't worry you've got you've got a very um noticeable doorbell as well <laughs> <laughs> yeah it's it's cats <laughs> oh right okay it's because my cat is I have a cat and I just picked the theme from Cats, so that's why. Oh, well, yes, yes, yes. I, I recognise the song now, yeah. Yeah. So oh, it's, wow. I've got a quirky sense of humour, so my doorbell is Cats because I love cats and I've only got one, so hence that. 
Mm. Yeah, I like, I'm a bit of a cat lover, so I don't have one at the minute, but I am. I do, yeah, I do like cats. Although I've also grown to love um, my partner's dog because I don't, I'm not really a dog person, but my partner has a dog, and I've got to, I've got quite um, quite fond of her. So um, the dog that is, as well as my partner, yeah. obviously. Well, but, um, that's a tapestry of them and my cat. Oh, how lovely! Well, you're very talented. So, well, uh, so where were we? You were talking about how you help um, railway companies look after yeah. people better. Yeah, and then on top of that, I also set up a swimming group to help ladies who've had cancer called Swimming After Surgery, brackets SAS, because we decided we'd have a giggle with that because right. SAS is empowering and we just decided, well, we'll have a laugh at life. And um, it was going to be called MSG, but that's a food additive. So it soon got thrown out the window because <laughs> I'd been too narrow minded when I went to set the swimming group up because I wanted to set a mastectomy swimming group. And we we're going to call it MSG. That's yeah. hence the three initials. But when I went to the breast cancer support group, I got some, boy, did I get feedback, four sheets of A4 paper. And they said, you've been too narrow minded. What about lumpectomies? They leave huge gas too. And I then realized, wow, um, I hadn't meant to in, um, alienate anybody or um, not include people. And I yeah. accidentally excluded a lot of people. So we then went and made it bigger and went, right, okay, so enough to surgery, brackets SAS, let's set this up. So it's got set up in Telford over 10 years ago now. Mm. Um, had the idea in April 2010. It launched on the 26th of October 2010. Okay. So it was a very short time to get it set up with the council, but they were right behind me because I was talking to a friend, and this is a pure heart-shaped de decision to do this, I was talking to a friend one Sunday night and she'd had a mastectomy in 2008. And I said to her, now you've had your mastectomy, what would you like to do now you're on the road to recovery? I'd love to be able to learn to swim, but I can't afford the lessons. Right. So what happened was, um, it was Sunday night. I couldn't do anything at that time. So I didn't say anything to her. I couldn't make any promises. I couldn't do anything. So what I did was the next morning, I rang the council at half past eight in the morning. And I spoke to their swimming coordinator and I said, I want to set mastectomy swimming group up, call it MSG. She said, that's a brilliant idea, but go to the breast cancer support group, get some feedback, and then we can follow on from that. Yeah. So in the May, I went to the breast cancer support group, explained what I wanted. And that's when I got told, oh, no, you've been too narrow minded. Lumpectomies leave huge scars too. And um, you need to start catering for this and that. So I thought, OK, fair enough. That's OK. So that night I got home, never d designed a business card ever in my life. I'd only been a secretary or hotel receptionist. I'd never done anything above secretarial level. I'd always been the underdog, if you know what I mean. So I there was me. I think a secretary is an underdog. But you know what I mean? I wasn't high powered. Well, I think some people... Um, underestimate the value of what people like personal assistants and that kind of thing do. Yeah. Because so, a, lot of, a lot of high powered people would not be who they are without those people who do all their um, yeah. grunt work and that for them. So, anyway, I got home and I decided I'm going to do this. It's going to be cool. So, I came up with SAS and we fitted the words from an after surgery to that because we just wanted a giggle. Because mm. when you've had. Um, cancer it's a tough time I know from my own personal experience because at that point I'd had 
breast cancer seven times and my last operation had been a left mastectomy. So mm. I'd call myself lopsided lush and decided that's what I needed. I need just have a laugh with life because that's what I'm yeah. like. So um, calling myself lopsided lush and then got home, designed this business card um, through Vistaprint, which had two and after surgery, brackets SAS in pink writing. It was all in pink because that's the colour of breast cancer. Mm. Underneath, we had a picture of a lady facing backwards in a pool. And then underneath that, in black letters, one day you will be able to face the world. Because when you have surgery, you hide away and you think you can't go out because of your scar, you can't do this, you can't do that. So, and being lopsided as well, it was very difficult for me. I thought I'd easily go back to women when I had my operation, but it took me... mm, well over a year um, to get into the swimming pool. And the only way I did that was by asking for help. And yeah. luckily, I, my local leisure centre were able to help me. Mm. In those days, the changing rooms weren't changing village, they were segregated. So I had to have somebody to help me change. At wow. the time, it was my male partner. And because it was segregated changing, that was going to be impossible. So how did we get around that? We found, luckily, they had an aspiration changing room, which had a shower, somewhere I could hang my gear up, somewhere I could hide my swim prosthesis out of sight and rinse it straight away when I come out of the pool from chlorine. Mm. And so they helped me. So in a way, I'd learned from that experience and wanted yeah. to help others because I knew there was going to be massive barriers. But for me, for every reason I could think of going swimming, I thought found 200 reasons not to go. And it's so easy to do. It's so easy to go, no, 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 can't do that, can't do that. And the negativity is so easy. And yet it only takes one positive to 200 negatives to get over that. But it's understanding that bit. But So what I did was it was a stepping stone between hospital treatment and going into public pools. So we had a private session at a swimming pool, well away from prying eyes. and And we had lifeguards who were level two swim teachers. Right. So that's how we did it. And it worked really well for us. And that's how we set it up in Telford. And so we did that. And then three years later, Cannock Chase contacted me because they were coming to um, hold the Paralympic torch procession in Cannock. Mm -hmm. And they wanted me to be part of it. And I went up and they said, well, what, what, um, what do you do? And I said, I run some group for ladies and people to dye the pool pink to raise awareness and hire, you know, and they said, dye a pool pink. How on earth do you do that? So I explained that it's the water dye that they test the pool with. If it stays in a place on the filtration system, you know, you've got blockage. If it moves and filtrates through, you haven't got a blockage, but it's just a concentrated dye, which can be, it's not harmful. You can just dye the water purple, yellow, orange, green, mm-hmm. and pink. We chose pink. Yeah. And it worked. And that's what we did. And we just ha- we just have different fundraising ideas and we came up with loads of different stuff. Mm. And through heart ha- heart-shaped decision to help a friend that all this happened. I don't get paid for anything I do. I do all this from my heart because to me you need people who've got lived experience to be able to support others but to do it 
as a caring way because I can't put a value, a price tag on what I do. I just can't. And mm. for the swimming, I really can't. So I fundraise. We get the support through that way. Yeah. We've been lucky. We've won a lot of awards. Been to number 10 Downing Street, done a lot of different stuff that I never thought I'd do having a breast cancer. Mm. And then in 2015, I had my eighth breast cancer operation. And little did I know the support I'd given to the other ladies there came back to me tenfold. Wow. They said to me, you go in the pool, you help us, you get into the pool, you go swimming, we help you. And what I'd been doing was I'd been on poolside watching them. I was a level one swim teacher. Mm. I was able to help, but they wanted me in the pool. They wanted me there to have their, the support they'd given me. Yeah. So that's what I was doing. I was in the pool recovering because I fitted the criteria and it helped and it helped me so much because the ladies just said, we are so grateful to give back to you because you gave back to us. And it, so it's a full circle thing. It's like karma. And then um, other things I do, I get, I'm involved with a hospital that has done so much for me. Mm. There's an orthopedic hospital in Oswestry. Yeah. And they listened to me. I was going through a hip arthroscopy and they thought they were going to be able to replace my hips. Uh -huh. This is when I got the full diagnosis of my disability and we yeah. didn't know what was wrong. And what happened was they told me that I needed a wheelchair. This was three weeks of waiting after I'd had a MRI scan. They told me I got a shadow on my spine. Right. Now, what they hadn't realised was because I'd already had breast cancer, I was thinking I got bone cancer. Right. And one of the consultants um, was really, really good to me. And he said to me, if you've got any problems, just raise it with PALS, which is patient advisory liaison service at the hospital, which patients can contact either in the hospital or when they're home. They mm -hmm. can let them know what issues they've got. And then what happens is they um, raise, listen to the patient's queries. Well, when it came to mine, I'd done a long, lengthy email to PALS and explained that I really had an issue and somebody needed retraining because they weren't listening to me as a patient. They kept saying to me, my cancer was back, I needed to be retested. I went, no, I've already just had all my cancer tests. I'm clear, thank you. I know I haven't got cancer and I didn't want them wasting the money on more tests that weren't necessary. Yeah. So I was fighting my corner. And then while I was in the PALS office, because bless the hospital, they called me in for a meeting. Mm. I went into the PALS office and the consultant was Professor Mike Richardson, who sadly passed away now. He was there and he said, thank you so much for raising this. He said, I am going to get my staff retrained. And he said, on top of that, we're going one step further. I said, what do you mean? He said, you've raised the issue that you were left for three weeks and we're worrying you've got bone cancer. We're going to look at what we can do in the future for bone cancer patients. Wow. They've now got a sarcoma unit. Wow. So from one, me raising a condition uh, concern because I didn't want it to affect somebody else and I didn't want the hospital's funds wasted by me making that heartfelt decision to go and say, mm. please, can you 
sort this, they've now got a sarcoma unit. Wow. Uh, actually, another, another member of our, um, another member of uh, the Heart Shaped Decisions Facebook group that I run has actually, is actually suffering from sarcoma at the moment. Uh, wow. A guy called Ro uh, Robert Parker, who's been a guest on the podcast before, uh, or several months ago, he's a good friend of mine. And um, yes, he, he's he's fighting very hard uh, sarcoma at the moment. It's one of the one of the most aggressive forms of cancer because it's a soft tissue cancer. Yeah, and that's what they now specialise in at the orthopaedic hospital. Mm. But if I hadn't raised that concern and said you kept, you know, I thought I got bone cancer. Yeah, what it actually was was I was diagnosed all at once by this professor. He gave me my discharge letter. And he, um, on in it was my diagnosis. He told me half of it in the meeting, but I went, I came home and I read it. I sat down. It's a full paragraph this long of all my conditions. Mm. Osteoarthritis, fibromyalgia, extra vertebromyeloma spine. Wow. They can't take it out and they can't replace my hips because I've got hip, hip dysplasia. So with that, I'm struggle. Mm. But I can walk a little distance, but I can't walk far. And I that's why I need need the chair. And when they told me I needed the wheelchair for life, this is before I knew my diagnosis. Yeah. And I said, so it's not bone cancer then? They went, no. And I went, so what's the outcome? This is a wheelchair. I went, that's fine. And they went, why are you taking this so calmly? I said, I thought for the last three weeks I've got bone cancer I've been writing out my bucket list mm. I said I was in my state of mind that I I got bone cancer and I possibly got 18 months to live that's mm. where I was in my head but because they understood that and then they listened and they changed it and they've mm. done so much I now give back and I became a patient rep on their patient panel right. through that I now do various um visits but at the moment we can't it's virtual yeah. the various visits were 15 steps if you walk into a ward and you look around would you be able to in 15 steps to recommend this to your family and friends if not why not what could be improved yeah the next one was enter and view which is very similar but it's done as a team and it's um again raising concerns and the other thing i've done which i've become a uh, train the trainer in is observe and act Okay. And what you do is you turn, you arrange a set appointment. They're not done unannounced, whereas interview can be done unannounced. Observe an act is not done unannounced. You make an appointment with the ward manager or the team lead and you turn up and you have um, a set form to fill in. At the end of the form, there's outcome and it's a planning outcome right. and it's done jointly. And if something needs to be improved, you, the manager and yourself write it in and three months later, it's got to be actioned. Mm. And then what else happens is if something's been good, but we haven't been able to see all the staff, mm. we just say, can you thank all their staff? They're doing a wonderful job. Nothing needs to be improved at this time. Yeah. But that raises staff morale. Oh, absolutely. And that is what I tend to do is I try not to hammer bad you know i i do, when you're doing a complaints letter you have this is good this is what's bad this is what i'd like to change yeah. mm. and that's how i do that's what i how i do a complaints letter 
because then you're working with people instead of going rah, 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 rah. I try and do it as, as a way forward and do this is good this is what's gone wrong and this is what I need you to change to help improve your service mm. and this is what I try and do this is how I work with people and because I've done that so many times at patient panel meetings mm. I said this is what's gone great this is what really needs to be improved and if you want to see it from a wheelchair user's perspective come out with us we can show you what it's like and that's what I do with the railways, the hospitals and other yeah. things I do. And by doing that, they make a massive difference. And it's just amazing to be able to feel that I can give back in a heart shaped decision and go. It's a I'm happy to do it because. I feel empowered and by being listened to, I know things are getting changed, but it's hard when you see new projects coming forward like we were talking about earlier like Cosford station that yeah. had a million pound refurb a, a while ago they hold a RAF air show but for somebody like me I can't get off at Cosford station no and that is ridiculous in this day and age with the Equality Act why no one thought to put ramps in, I just do not know. Instead, they've put steps. Mm. The same with Telford Station. They've put steps in yet again, and the steps have replaced a ramp. Uh, where's the common sense? Well, exactly, you, just, not, yeah. you just cannot believe in this day and age that people are struggling with access when new projects are being built. Why don't the architects or the planners talk to somebody who's disabled and get them out what they do do which you laugh at is they get me out to show what the difficulties are prior to the project being built and they film me on the old ramp yes and then they've built steps you just cannot believe it but that's happened in telford so is it it a financial decision then or is it just that they can't be bothered or what is what what I have got no idea where people were at regarding that. I've got no idea in their heads. You were telling me earlier that, you know, that there's certain situations where a railway company would have to pay for a taxi for you to get from one station to another. Now, That's they, actually happened. Yeah, they, they would probably say, OK, so we have to do that like 10 times a year. That's going to cost us £200 a year. Um, but it's not just for me. If we do the... If we do the um, if we do the requisite work to the station, it's going to cost us an extra two hundred thousand pounds. Say, for example, would they do it for that? Would that be the thinking behind it? Do you think it could be the thinking behind it? But the thing is, if you put a ramp in, everybody can use a ramp. Not everybody yeah. can use steps, and that's the. This is where I'm a disability campaigner. Mm. I'm a cancer champion. I, I'm an online ca- um, ca- campaigner with Macmillan. I do so much different stuff because things need to change in so many aspects of life, not just for me, but for others. And it's crazy. I mean, I end up being a cancer voice the wrong way round. Normally you're in a cancer voice after you volunteer for a couple of years. Yeah. And then you go in the media. Not me. I was in the media first and then got recruited that night as a Macmillan cancer voice. Right. The issue I had had, which I wanted to raise, was... I had my first breast tumour at 22. Wow. 
hospital on my notes had got me diagnosed with early stage breast cancer at 23. Right. I didn't know till I was 32 that I got breast cancer. Even though really? I'd had lumpectomies, I didn't know I got breast cancer. So when I was going through my divorce in 2006, mm. seven, I tried to take on the matrimonial home. Right. I was working full time and I could afford it. Mm-hmm. But the insurance companies and the bank said, we like to say no. Because I hadn't got life insurance. And right. because I hadn't got life insurance before my cancer diagnosis, I can't get life insurance. Right. So I was 22. Who at 22 will get life insurance? Well, I did. I mean, but how does that work then? Because I've got, I've got life insurance and I had cancer when I was 23. Well, you'll be all right you, if you had life insurance before. But because I had life insurance after my cancer, tried to get life insurance after my cancer diagnosis, I can't get it. No, I did. I didn't have. I didn't have life. I've, I've got my life insurance that I've got now, when I was in my thirties. Yeah, um, but I expect you had a bow of when you had five years clear of cancer. Oh, I did. Yes, yes. I didn't have that. Right. Okay. And that's where I fell down. And at twenty-two, my, I, I advise youngsters now because of what happened to me is as soon as you get into a job and it's regular, set up life insurance. Yeah. Because mm. I couldn't take on the mortgage. Right. Even though I could afford it, but they wouldn't accept me because I couldn't get life insurance. Wow. So I lost my first month on any home. Mm. And then I ended up in social housing here because the house I lived in with my second husband was stairs and I couldn't manage that due to my hip operation. Right. And so we had to move into social housing for a bungalow for me. Right. And then, um, and on top of that, it's a two-bedroom bungalow, so I've hit with the bedroom tax. So you're actually having to pay the bedroom tax now? Wow. And it's tough. It's hard, but I cope. And this is the thing. But I would have loved to be able to have owned my own home and been set up. But because I wasn't classed as cancer-free for five years, I couldn't get it. So I went to Central News and was on Central News with that issue. And Sandy Barton intervie- interviewed me. And at the end, she said, Fiona feels punished for having cancer. And I do. Well, well I mean, it, it's obvious that, well, the bedroom tax is an abomination anyway, in my opinion. But, you know, it's well, like my... Where I live, there's no one-bedroom bungalows. Right. So there's only two-bedroom bungalows. So what else am I meant to do? I need wow. a bungalow. So... Why are we penalised? And this is why I campaign heavily with cancer charities. I campaign heavily on disability issues. Anything I can do to raise awareness of any issues I do, because Mm. it's not just about me. It's fighting for those who haven't got a voice and can't say stuff. But, you know, I'm 53 now. I've been lucky because I haven't had cancer now, touch wood, for the last five years. Yeah. But, I mean, it's been a roller coaster of a life from having eight operations for um, cancer alone without all the other stuff. Um, right. But I've been lucky because I haven't had chemo or radiotherapy. I've just had surgery after surgery after surgery because I am proof if you check yourself early, you do not necessarily need chemo or radiotherapy and it is survivable. Yeah. So my message is get yourself checked. If you 
find something or worry that you've got something, whether it's a change in the colour, a, a difference in your skin, dimpling, yeah. a lump or whatever, just go and get checked. Yeah. It, you're not being a nuisance. You need to get checked. And I improved by doing that. I've had eight operations and I'm still here. Um, I'm absolutely, you know, I'm, I'm sitting here listening to you. And I just, you're just such an inspiration. I mean, one thing that you said uh, today in, the, in this interview that, that actually really resonated with me, you said that 200 negative things can happen, but you have to concentrate on the one positive thing. And that, that's what I That's what I would like people, you know, to but remember, I mean, everything you've been through, you know, you're, you're such an inspiration because you're still helping other people, you know, and, you're, and that's what keeps you going, isn't it? It's actually making sure that other people don't have to go through what you went through. That's it. And I re, I, I'm lucky because we've changed the pathways for cancer patients to have free prescriptions, which I managed to change a few years ago with the Macmillan campaign. Yeah. Um, things do change, but there's things that haven't changed and we're still campaigning on because they need to change. And if somebody um, has an issue, if you don't raise it, how can people solve the problem? Well, exactly. I mean, you know, it certainly made me also realise that, you know, I, I need to take into consideration um, people who are you know, wheelchair users. And I know my friend Rob, who's, who's uh, also in the group, who's struggling at the moment. I mean, he, he actually lost a leg. He was a you know, fit, able-bodied man. He's the same age as you. Um, a, you know, fit, able-bodied man. He works in learning and development. And um, that's how I, I knew him through Toastmasters. And, um, you know, he, he was diagnosed with sarcoma. He's, he's, he's completely changed his life and his wife's life, you know, to the point where he's, got, he's actually got a um, motability car now. That's uh, what but, I've got, yeah. Yeah, but he's, he's, still having, um, he's still having radiotherapy and, you know, he's still, he's still not, he's not out of the woods by any means. But the no. one thing that you've got in common with him is your absolute resilience and your absolute determination not to let it go, not to let anything get you get you down. Because whenever I've met you, I've met you on several occasions, and you're always zipping around in your wheelchair. Talking. That's what it's called, zippy. <laughs> I know, I know. But you're always zipping around in your wheelchair with a smile on your face, and you're always talking to people, and you're always you're always come across as very positive. And you know, I think to myself, with a small amount of problems that I've got in my life I, I would see you as a complete inspiration uh, somebody who's got all you know you could say you've got the weight of the world on your shoulders but you still manage to burst through it and come out and come out and have that that lovely smile on your face so long may you continue to do that thank you Graham and thank you for having me today I'd love, I'd love so if anybody wants to get in contact with you what's the best way to get in contact with you Fiona um you can find me on Facebook at Fiona Stevenson. Okay. Um, my email address is Fiona S Inspirational at gmail.com, which actually when you say it, it's Fiona's Inspirational. Yes, well, that's very true. Brilliant. And there's also Fiona's Talks.co.uk. Brilliant. So you've got a website as well. That's lovely. That's absolutely fantastic. And uh, Fiona if anybody wants help with the swimming or while we're not swimming, we're actually providing benefit advice, benefit support, signposting people to 
any help they need, whether it's long specialist lingerie swimwear or anything, we've got a website called Swimming After Surgery, sas.org.uk. Brilliant. Thank you so much. And while, while I'm speaking about Fiona, Fiona's actually a, a member of um, my Heart Shaped Decisions Facebook group, which she kindly said was she found, finds inspiring. And if anybody would like to join that, just look us up on Facebook. There's about 60 or 70 of us in the group, and you'd be very welcome to join. So thank you so much, Fee, for being on, for being on, the, um, on the podcast today. And uh, I, I just feel completely inspired now. And uh, I'm, I'm, yeah, I'm looking for, I'll be, so I'll be publishing it in a few 